up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Another week with a guest. What's good, bro? Hey, I'm excited about getting to talk to this gentleman. This is this is fantastic. This is one of the most electrifying football players we've ever seen who's turned into just a total media star. Yes. And that is Robert Griffin the third, RG3. Robert, thank you for being with us, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate that intro, too. I'm going to take you guys everywhere with me. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are happy to do that. You know, my I want to pay you a compliment because my, um, my statistician that I travel for my NBA games on ESPN and then the uh, women's college games I do, Steve LeBeau, is with you yeah. every week. He Mark Jones, uh, statistician as well, and Steve every week he, when he's going from one of my games to your guys' college football games or whatever, he's just talking about what a wonderful guy RG three is and how how energizing you are for Mark and how much he loves working with you and and that is what all of your colleagues have to say, Robert. No oh, man, I appreciate that. And Steve is awesome. I know you know he's great for a Rick Ross joke. Uh, <laughs> Uh, unmatched, but Steve has been just awesome for us. And, and it's one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten over the course of the last year and a half of being TV was from Steve and Mark. Like we become like a family, uh, that group. We enjoy being together, calling the games together. And when we're apart, it's almost like we're just counting the days until we all get back together again. That's how that family atmosphere is. And, and like Steve has told you, uh, that big compliment of how much energy I bring to to the team and how much I've reinvigorated Mark Jones, who's one of the greatest of all time. I know you know that. Probably doesn't get the love that he deserves. Uh, but then them telling me that meant the world because all you want to do is be able to provide energy uh, and positive energy for the people that you're around. So them saying that really is humbling for me. Yeah, and as a viewer of ESPN and all of the football and college football and all that stuff, it's great to see you have that energy, especially on the Monday night broadcast. Like, to, to see you interject, to have that energy kind of come into the broadcast is great, man. Like, how, have you been enjoying the, the transition? Is it as much work as playing quarterback? And, like, what's the best part about it? Yeah, CC, I would say that uh, for me, like, it, it sounds it sounds bad, but I don't need the job. Yeah. <laughs> and do it, I do it because I, I enjoy football. I love the game. Um, so when, what you see is, is who I really am. And people don't get to see that when, you, when you're a player because you're leading the franchise, man. You're the face of the franchise. It's your job to go up there, be professional, do things the right way. Not saying that you don't got to be professional on ESPN, <laughs> but you can exuberate and show your true personality of who you are. So that part of it has been really fun for me uh, to allow people to see different sides of myself. When you talk about the work, whoo. Uh, it's more work. I would say more work than being a quarterback, but it's, it's more it's, work. It's, 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 it's equivalent. It might be just a little bit more because that quarterback, I, for a game, I've only got to focus on if it's a Super Bowl, right? I got to focus on Philly's defense or I got to focus on Kansas City's defense. When you're in TV, man, you have to cover all 32 teams. And then if you're not, people will pick up on that extremely fast because you start saying like just one off you know, cliches instead of really breaking down that team. So I enjoy that work. And it's been an easy transition for me off the field because when you're putting in 16 hours a day for football and you come and you put that same amount of time into the TV work, you're prepared for anything, no matter where the conversation goes. Uh, but the fun, most fun part about it for me is just being around the game, seeing these guys that, you know, I competed against and now I get to talk about them and also see them and have that respect level for them to say, look, I can constructively criticize you 
without tearing down your character, without tearing down your work ethic. You know, we can have fun with this and I can say, hey, you do that interception. It doesn't mean you suck. It just mm. means I get better at this and this and this. And I try to do that in all of my analysis, because as you guys know, uh, as players, right, and even if you've been in the media for a long time like yourself, it, uh, it, there comes times when it gets to the personal side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't ever want that to be the case. It's never personal with me. I'm just here saying what I see, having a good time and trying to let the viewer enjoy that part of it, not kind of make fun of other people or tear down their character. Yeah, that's a... Um that's a great way to put it, Robert. I, I, Mike Breen, who's been unbelievable to me since I was 19 years old at Fordham when I first met him, and, and he, uh, he told me then, and, and he always says, and, and when he comes back and speaks to kids at our college, he'll say, the way he handles criticism on the air is just say the things you'd be comfortable saying to their face. You know? Oh, yeah. And like, I think it takes a little while to feel like you would be comfortable saying critical things to certain <laughs> people's faces. But, but but eventually you do get to that place where it's like, yeah, like that obviously, you know, it obviously wasn't smart sliding inbounds when you had no timeouts left. Like you should be able to say that to someone's face, right? But that's different than saying, oh, this guy is trash or something like right. that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and listen, I like to have fun. If you if you follow my Twitter at all, like you know, mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm probably posting jokes, you know, analysis. I, I I they're like, man, we don't know what this guy's brand is on Twitter because there is no brand. It's just <laughs> having fun. Whatever comes to your mind, nobody has a one track mind. But uh, I did find out this though, just through my college coverage. You know, I used to do like, or I did this Heisman breakdown every week for like who is the Heisman front runners going into the next week. And when I got in front of guys like C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. What I did realize is no matter what you say, if you ever put them at number five, oh, they got man. a problem. <laughs> they got a problem. And, and, and I'm like, I'm looking at them, I'm like, bro, you're on the list. Yeah. <laughs> the, list the list is a good thing. I'm, yeah. I'm actually giving your, your praise on the list. Like, yeah, man, but you had me at number five. And I'm like, I should be number one. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, here's what I do know. Whether you're being critical or you're giving praise, there's always going to be some angle that these players take and say "Mm, they're against me because that's in our nature Mm. every single one of us thinks we're the baddest man on the planet so for that standpoint i realize like it don't matter what i say i'm gonna make sure i'm comfortable that i can go to sleep at night and be at peace that i put you at number five on the list or i said you threw a a bad interception but this is how you can fix it i will 100 say that to each and every one of their faces so i think that point from mike breen is spot on when you when you make a list, the athletes gonna get pissed off no matter what. Like it, it, no, no matter what the order is, like they somebody's gonna be mad about the fucking list. So it is what it is. <laughs> you put me first. What? Yeah. What, you put me first? what about him? Like, uh, Robert, you um, you you've had a a really interesting transition because I think that you're your energy and and your analysis and expertise it was noticeable right away and people were like oh you know this guy's really good at this and obviously you've only built on it but i know correct me if i'm wrong but like you were still and maybe still even are have left the door open for yeah. playing right or do you is the is that door still open for you yeah the door is still open like you know as you guys know the, the further you get into the media the farther you get away from playing so I'm, I'm realistic about the, the opportunities that could be out there for me to play uh, in the future, but I haven't retired. 
Um, I haven't closed the book on being able to play after watching some of the quarterbacks this year go out and get starting opportunities. It, it, no doubt in my mind that I'm still a starting quarterback, level quarterback in this league. Um, but I don't let that slow me down from what I'm doing now. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my, my at home life is, is pristine. Uh, we got four daughters now. Just had a new baby. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, man. ESPN is treating me great. Uh, allowing me to elevate and, and get higher and higher opportunities uh, in, in really a short amount of time, which we all want to do. You put in the work, you see the results, the people love it. You want to just continue to elevate. So from that standpoint, it would take something uh, really lucrative and, and just an, a, an opportunity I couldn't turn down to go back, whether that's to you know be the starting, be a starting quarterback, compete to be a starter. Right. Because at this point, being out of the league two years, you're not just going to come in and be a starter uh, right away. So I'd love to have that opportunity. Or to go in and, and mentor a young guy. Like, I really enjoyed the process of being there uh, with the growth for Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, still mm-hmm. a, a guy that I'm close to to this day and really was able to to give him what I never had when I came into the league, which was just a guy that had been through it, had, had mm-hmm. seen it, had done it, and did it the same way that he did it. Um, so I enjoyed that process. So you talk about the Justin Fields out there. Uh, I mean, I know Lamar and his contract situa- situation with the Baltimore Ravens, but those opportunities are few and far between. So I train every day. I prepare, you know, I throw the ball, but at the end of the day, I'm not letting that detract me from what I'm doing right now. Uh, and that's, you know, trying to be the best TV, not just TV personality, but analyst in the, in the country. That was you know, going to be my question. So you train every day still like, like you're training for to play. Yes. It's uh, you know, this, you see, like we know what our bodies need when they need them. Um, you know, it's it, when people say they train every day, they're lying to you. No one trains seven days a week. <laughs> okay, um, and you're on for four days. You got your one rest day in the middle of the week. Um, but I know how to get my body prepared and ready to go. Uh, so if a team was to call, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be like, oh, man, I wish I was working out. Yeah, <laughs> Ready, man, stays ready. You don't have to get ready. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking towards it. Tom Brady just retired at 45, guys. I'm 45. Right? I'm 32, so I got some time in me left. If, if, yeah. if Brady can play until that long, now granted he's got seven rings. So he can play it's not, I mean, but look at Aaron Rodgers, he's 39 <laughs> years old, and everybody's after him like he's the hottest free agent. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm he's posting, him, I'm I'm posting him every day on my Instagram. Like uh, I want him in a Raiders uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, right? Right. <laughs> and I don't get it twisted, right? Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. He is what people call the boat, the baddest of all time, one of the most talented quarterbacks. Uh, Tom Brady is the is the goat. Seven rings. I understand why those guys have had the longevity. So I'm not putting myself in that category, but I do have the desire to continue to play. ESPN knows that. My broadcast agent knows that. My NFL agent knows that. If that opportunity doesn't come, it's no skin off my back. I'm I'm very proud of what I accomplished in the NFL, the obstacles that I had to overcome, being out of the league for a year, coming back, doing three more years, like all that's part of my journey. And it's part of the reason why I've had the rise in the media that I have, because I'm not just one story. I've Mm. seen the, the hilltops. I've seen, you know, the valleys. And I come out of that with even more expertise. And I'm thankful to God that I had all those opportunities to kind of grow, not just as a person, but as a player and just to increase my worldview. That's a perfect right. mentor, though, Rico. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Somebody that's had everything, the peaks and the valleys. Well, like you get him in a quarterback room, there's nobody he can't relate to. And that's 100% spot on. And, and that actually segues nicely to your tweet about Lamar Jackson and yeah. not 
pushing through the injury to get back on the field. Robert, I thought that was so interesting because obviously he was your guy, but you also, you were uniquely positioned to be able to comment on that because you were a guy who was, you know, pushed to get back on the field. And, you know, is it fair to say because of that, it, it totally changed the trajectory of your career? Oh yeah. I I think it's, it's well documented that that changed the trajectory of my career. And, you know, my, my mindset towards that was in that moment, and CC knows this, when you're, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? I was injured in 2012 and I played injured, mm-hmm. uh, toward ACL, torn LCL, played on that for like three or four games, I believe there at the end of the year. So for me, I just looked at it and I said, as a player, I just needed to be protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We're all going to try to play. I'm telling you, there's not a guy in that locker room. That that's worth his, you know, his amount of yeah. coin that is going to say to you, yeah, I don't want to play. No, mm-hmm. we want to play. We all think we're Superman. We all think we can overcome anything that's put in front of us because that's all we've done our entire lives. So, yeah, in 2012, I wasn't thinking, let me make sure uh, I take care of my body. Let me make sure I take care of my future career. I was just trying to get it in, be out there with my guys. We were a hot team. We were doing really well, going trying to go on a Super Bowl run. But in hindsight, yeah, I wish somebody would have been there to say, no, you're not doing this. You, you have such a big future ahead of you. Don't do this right now. Are you at peace with that now, Robert? Or is it the kind of thing that still hurts you? No, nah, I'm at peace with it. Like I said, like my journey is my journey. It's what, what my calling is. Uh, God's got me in the position that he has right now. And the direction that he has me going in makes me feel like this is what he always had in store for me. He mm. put me through what I went through back then so I could be a better storyteller now. He put me through what I could I went through back then so that I could tell guys stories better now, not just have a one track mind. So when I saw everything going on with Lamar, I saw this. I was hearing the same things that people were saying mm. about me. Mm. Hey, put a brace on it. Get out there and just go play. Put it on the line for your guys. And I, I just wanted, like I was on Monday Night Countdown, I just wanted to clear that up, that mm. Lamar wasn't playing because of some contract. He wasn't playing because he was hurt. hurt. He, was mm. he was injured. Yeah. Right? He couldn't physically go out there and be Lamar Jackson. I remember vividly all the images of me when I, when I tore my ACL in that playoff game against Seattle, and everyone saying, why didn't they take him out the game? It's obvious that he is not. The, the Robert Griffin III that, that we know and, and can go out there and make plays, he's hobbling everywhere. And and I just looked back on that. I didn't want Lamar to have to go through the same thing. So we had those conversations mm-hmm. when I was in Baltimore. And we and and that helped put me at peace. I got over it all in 2017 when I was out of the league for a year. When you're out of the league and you're, you're just sitting there with your own thoughts, right, and your family, you go through a lot of things. I went through all that. So when I came back, I was able to be a better mentor to Lamar because I had already putting all that stuff behind me and could look at it in a hindsight of his 2020 point of view. It's uh, your perspective is amazing. And I'm yeah. sure it was a, a blessing for Lamar. Um, since we're just, we just mentioned him, Robert, how do you, how do you see, or, or what, what's kind of your, your thoughts on Lamar's situation and, and, you yeah. know, and kind of where his career goes from here and, and what might be, you know, what might or maybe should be on the table or how, how it might go? Yeah, I mean, it's a, this is a catch-22 situation with Lamar Jackson because yeah. it's not just about Lamar, right? Lamar, his mindset has always been, I want to do something that is legendary, right? Winning Super Bowls is something that's legendary. 
Also, getting fully guaranteed contracts is something that's legendary. So Lamar is sitting there saying to himself, I've accomplished more than Deshaun Watson. Right? Just start there. I've accomplished mm-hmm. more than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed contract. Why shouldn't I get a fully guaranteed contract? Not just that. I should get more than Deshaun Watson got in his fully guaranteed contract. Well, after Deshaun signed, you saw a couple other guys sign. I believe Rodgers had signed before. Kyler Murray signed after. And, and they didn't get fully guaranteed deals. So the Ravens are looking at it and saying, that's an anomaly. Don't even mm-hmm. look at that contract. And Lamar is like, nah, fam. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> nah. that's not an anomaly. That's what I want right there. Yeah. So the Ravens are also trying to – they're also having to deal with what they went through with Joe Flacco. Remember, Flacco – uh, was in the contract year, bet on himself, won a Super Bowl and yeah. Super Bowl MVP. And then the Ravens paid him out the wazoo. And then they went on, I think they proceeded to miss the playoffs. Either yeah, it didn't work out. Five. Well, yeah. that was that's their own fault. That's like, <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta know your guy though. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> I'm just giving you the facts. Okay. So, so then they missed the playoffs like four out of the next six years. So in their mind, they're like Okay, Lamar Jackson is not Joe Flacco, but we don't want to make the same mistake. We want to win, give him a contract that we can still build a team around him, like the Chiefs have done with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So, so what I would say is give Lamar Jackson the contract that the Chiefs gave Mahomes. Mm-hmm. They gave Mahomes a 10-year, $500 million deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, all of it wasn't guaranteed. But they gave him so much. If you want Lamar to sacrifice something, then give him a deal like that. I just think because he's been on IR the last two years to finish the season, there's a a little bit of reluctancy to give him such a long-term deal, if that makes sense. So I think all of that is what's going on with the Ravens and uh, and Lamar The success of that franchise is is so tied to him, though, that – like you just you have to you got to gamble you know what I'm saying like and he's yes. that good like you said he's better than Deshaun Watson he's not Joe Flacco like he's he's an MVP you know what I'm saying like when this guy's healthy and he's able to to get out there and play your franchise is one of the best in the AFC you know what I'm saying so I mean you got to pay the man for that yeah I definitely think you got to pay him and and really when when you look at it. <laughs> Uh, they built this entire team around him. Around him. The whole yeah. squad is built around him. But even to the point where you have to build, you got to bring a backup that can kind of do what he does. You know kind what of. I'm saying? Like, you kind have of. to, kind of, you have to have that type of, like, backup. Like, they built that team so much around him. Like, it's 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 kind of odd that they don't want to pay him. It's and the the more odd thing is because I was there when this was happening. So Joe was the starter when I first got there. I was like the seventh quarterback on the roster. I had to earn, which is weird, right? You go from first pick, now you're like 14th quarterback on the roster. (laughs) The numbers keep increasing, right? And you have to prove yourself. To I I forced the Ravens to keep three quarterbacks because that's how well I played when I got there. So I saw the transition from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson in the middle of the year. And I'm telling you, man, I haven't seen anything like it. The offense was completely different. And here's the other kicker. Lamar's got a special, like, one of those, uh, you know, sixth sense type of minds where he sees the game different. So, like, for me personally, I played better under Marty Morningwig than I did under Greg Roman because Marty was more of a true West Coast guy. Mm -hmm. Greg Roman was a great run game guy. And the pass game he put together 
only matched up with Lamar Jackson. So mm-hmm. when you see Lamar throw and play in that system, it's great because he sees it different. He's, he's instead of reading one through through five, he's reading five through one. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but he does it. And you saw that with Tyler Huntley when Huntley was in there, right? It was a, it was a completely different feel for the passing game. Mm-hmm. And because they shaped it all around Lamar and then they catered to the way his brain sees everything, he was the only one that could run that system at a high level. People don't talk about that because it's a little difficult to understand. But Lamar would make throws in games that I never saw him make in practice, CC. Never. That's it was crazy. I, I watched it. I'm like, what? How did he make that? <laughs> <laughs> this man never makes that throw in practice. He'd come aside in his, in his MVP year. I told him on the sideline like halfway through. I said, bro, you're going to win MVP. It, he, this man threw like five, t- four touchdowns in one game and had the worst week of practice I've ever seen in my life. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about practice. But he, and he, he's a special kid, special talent. And I hope they pay him because the whole city of Baltimore loves that man. Yeah. Hey, Robert, when you uh, think about your upbringing, you're born in Japan, right? The son of yep. the son of two U.S. Army vets. What when you think about, I guess, the charisma of your parents and the military background as well? How do you see those things now sort of coming out in you as a father, as an adult? Yeah, man, like, that's a good one on the Born in Japan. Not everybody knows that. So <laughs> I, I like to say I'm black and ease, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but no, like, the charisma, everybody, a lot of people have talked to me about that. Like, ever since I really came into the spotlight in college and, you know, they say, hey, man, your smile and, and the way that you talk about things, the energy you bring, um, it, it brings people closer, it draws people in. And I wasn't always like that. Like when I was much younger, I was very shy. And the turning point for me, um, my parents always stressed discipline, Hmm. right? If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Uh, You start something, you finish it. And we've all had moments in our lives where we didn't finish something that we started. Um, But that kind of mindset and always knowing that there's a greater calling for what you're doing, right? I told my ACL in 2009, people forget that. Because mm-hmm. after that, we came back and won a Heisman at Baylor in 2011. Mm-hmm. So some people think the only knee injury I've ever had was in 2013 in that, in that playoff game. But in that moment, I had to make a decision. What am I doing this for? Like, what is my why? And for me, I'm a faith-based guy. I just don't throw it in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. But I made a decision in 2009 that I was going to accept Christ into my life from myself. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church. Don't get me wrong. I was at six years old. I'm in the church falling asleep like everybody else. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> With those long, ZZ might know about them. Oh, long, yeah. Long, them oh, long yeah. black church services <laughs> yes. that started at 10 a.m. and ended at 3 p.m. Missing every, every, missing every football game. I know. Broncos are playing. Get out of here. 2009, I told my ACL and, and I, I made the decision in that moment that I, I was, why me? Why did this happen to me? I was doing everything the right way. I, I was stretching, foam rolling. I was going to class and doing my homework. God, why did I have to tear my ACL? So I made the decision after two weeks of kind of just sulking that I was going to dedicate my life fully to God and make sure that everything that I do was to bring attention to his kingdom. And and for me, that's kind of helped me always find the silver lining in what's going on. Hey, I told my ACL here, boom, it's for me to come back better. Boom, I told my ACL in, in Washington, boom, it's for me to come back better. Oh, man, I didn't come back better. What am I doing? 
Well, God was just pivoting my relationship and pivoting everything in my life to bring me to TV, to be a voice for the for the players, to be a voice for the people and the fans out there to teach them this game. So uh, what I was trying to get out, you got me on, on, on a soapbox now. But what <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. What I was trying to get out was um, everybody like my teeth. Now I use Invisalign. So my gap is gone. But for 28 years of my life, 29 years of my life, I had a gap in, in between my teeth. So I didn't smile a lot when I first got to college. I went to Big 12 Media Days and one of the guys taking pictures, I took a picture and I didn't smile. He said a joke, right? I laughed. He got a picture of me laughing, showed it to him. He said, man, you got a great smile. And when I tell you, man, that changed my life. Like from that point on, all I did was smile. <laughs> because, because that guy told me, man, you got a great smile. You're, you got a photogenic smile. That helped me, uh, you know, overcome my fear of the gap that I had in my teeth. Now, obviously, I got rid of the gap and people don't really notice it as much because I've been smiling for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. After long. But it just showed me that, like, moving forward, like, kindness, like, that one compliment that you give somebody that's, you know, obviously meant for the right intentions and purposes can change their life and change their day, turn their whole world around. So I'm really grateful to that guy because now all everybody tells me is, man, you got a great smile. But <laughs> he was the one that got it out of me. <laughs> that's an awesome story, Rob. That is. That, that really that, is. That's like why I love doing this podcast stories mm -hmm. like that like that is that's so great man because you do you got an amazing smile <laughs> it's 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 undeniable you got a great smile i uh, that's really cool though i hope whoever he is he knows it was him and uh and and is listening and 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 appreciates that role he played in your life that's really cool man that's maybe maybe we post this yeah, He'll come out the He'll come out. that's like, right. It was me. Hey, you know what, Atta? That should be our goal on social media. Like, yeah, can we find the photographer from from Media Day in what was that year? Big Twelve Media Days, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Big Twelve Media Day, two thousand nine. All right, we have we have a goal. We have a hunt to go yes. on uh, for uh, for social media. This actually will be fun. Um, you, you know what's crazy? I was going to say just about yeah, thinking about yeah. your personality and charisma and not so much your football play. What I remember you for is I remember sitting in the locker room the year you won the Heisman, and uh, it was a feature on your socks <laughs> and, like, the different the different socks you wore to practice and in the games and all this, all this yeah. shit. And, like, I remember after that, like, Looking around the clubhouse, guys started wearing different kind of <laughs> socks. So like he started the whole wave of like people wearing like like crazy socks. It started with RG three. See, see, I'm I'm glad you said that, man. Because I don't know. <laughs> but that was like that was that was deep in game. Started wearing the funky socks. People started day. wearing the funky socks after RG three. I'm telling you. There I'm you telling go. you. Like a quick story on like how that all started. Yeah. See, see, I I wasn't a very uh, fashionable guy growing up. I know people look at like the suits now and like, man, he's always on point. Yeah. But uh, when I was growing up, man, like, you know, not a well-to-do family. Mm -hmm. So I'm wearing starter Walmart, you know, that targeted, you know, just probably started taking off and everything. So I'm wearing those types of clothes. So my only outlet was athletics. So I went and dominated on the football field, basketball court, uh, baseball, track and field. So I could wear whatever I wanted to school. <laughs> yeah. because I didn't have anything. 
So I didn't want, I wanted to bully me. Like, I'm a quarterback. You can't bully the quarterback. You can't bully the best athlete. <laughs> you can't bully me. So I was wearing pajama pants to school. And, and at one point, I, you know, after I wore the same pair of jeans 15 times in a row, I, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to wear whatever socks I want to wear. So I go to Walmart, buy $1 socks, and they'd be Christmas themed. And, and that became my thing early on in high school. So I kind of carried that on through college, never expecting that they were going to do some type of special on the socks. But as soon as they did it, man, with the Superman socks and everything, yep. it took off. Now nobody wants to wear boring socks anymore. So nobody I, wears regular socks, bro. Did you say it? I said it. He said it. <laughs> uh, this is we're unearthing a lot of really good stuff here. This is <laughs> this is terrific, Robert. When you are um, when you're preparing, you gave us a little insight before for the hours you put in. Yep. When you are preparing to be you know, the analyst for your college football game on Saturday. What what exactly does your week look like? You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever days you're 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 diving into your prep. What exactly are you doing in your preparation getting ready for Saturday? Yeah, so I mean this year was a little different because I also did Monday night. Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my first year was a lot more calm. I I was, you know, the first Monday I'd have our, our production meeting. Uh, my producer the last two years about a guy by the name of Kim Belton, been in the industry over 40 years. Yep, uh, I know Kim. I've worked with like, Kim. Yep. Yep, played basketball over at Stanford. Kim's awesome, right? He he gives you the the the, the blueprint. This is what we're going to do this week. Hey, Robert, we got a special thing here that you might be able to do. How do you feel about it, right? Because mm -hmm. we like to go in and, and really immerse ourselves in the college environment. What are the traditions? Uh, what's an event that we can go to and kind of highlight on the broadcast just to give the viewer – a little bit more. We knocked that all out on Monday. Mm. So in that Monday call, I'm already having to tell my entire crew, hey, here's the quarterback. Here's the star receiver. Look at this. Here's what they're doing, these tendencies. So on the weekend, like on a Saturday, after Saturday game, on Sunday, I'm already studying the next team. Wow. Uh, so that Monday meeting I go into that, I can tell them all these things. So I've already watched tape on Sunday. And the rest of the week is literally me finding the tape and the tendencies so I can go and be the best analyst possible, but then also finding stories of these kids that are, that are worthy of telling that the audience might not know about. Mm. So I, I really break that down and I go Mon uh, Sunday, I watch both teams so I can give a good report to my team on Monday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I just alternate days of watching film on both teams. And I mean, when you talk about film study, I mean, it's, it's over, it's probably over 15 hours of film per week. Dang, geez, man. Because in college football, it's different than the NFL, right? Brady played for 20 some odd seasons. Well, in college, these guys are, are, are turning over every yeah. year, right? Uh, this guy was a four year starter. Boom. He's off to the NFL. Well, who's the, who's the guy playing behind him? Right. That was and this guy is a grad transfer or he, you know, transfer oh. portal. And yeah, oh, it's so crazy. Like, I feel like, I feel like both. I feel like Bo Nix has been in college for 14 years. Yeah, like, he had a whole SEC. He had an old SEC story. Now he in the in the Pac-12. Like this is it's crazy how long he's been in college. It's, it's and in insane. year 15, in year 15, he's gonna be the Heisman favorite. He's going, he's going to win the Heisman next year. <laughs> he's gonna be all the <laughs> uh, that's tremendous. So, yeah. so that, that, Part of it, like the transfer portal, everything, it just makes it so much harder to study for these guys. Yeah. So I got to know who the first, second, and third quarterback is. 
because we've had Oklahoma this past year. And um, what's the quarterback's name? Dylan Gabriel went down. He got hurt. The backup comes in. He got hurt. Mm. So I had I had to study who the third quarterback was. And it was actually pretty fun, guys, because his name was General Booty. So oh my God. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I can't even lie. That was pretty good. <laughs> if there was ever a time where you want <laughs> when you want two quarterbacks to get hurt, it would be when the third one is General, General Booty. Booty. General Booty. He started warming up on the sideline. And I and I couldn't hold back, guys. I couldn't hold back. <laughs> Booty's getting loose on the sideline. <laughs> I was like, he set me up for this right here. Hey, hey was he related to those other quarterbacks? Wasn't it the uh, yep. he's John related David. Josh, John David Booty, yep. and Josh Booty? Yeah, no, I, I believe he's a part of the Booty family. Okay, <laughs> he he has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he's a part of some booty family. General, that booty general, family. Bo- a general booty family. A general be- booty family. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they take on a life of their own, but like preparing for that type of stuff is fun. I enjoy it. And uh, really, when you get a crew that you love and you love to work with them, that that's the best part of it. And I know ESPN like changes the crews up all the time. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens in the future. But it's uh, it's been a joy working with Mark Jones and, and like you said, Steve LeBeau and the guys. Man, and you've done such a wonderful job, Robert. I um, the the interest for CC and I, I know, goes deeper into you and your career. But since it's Super Bowl week, we should also ask you how you see this game playing out between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Do you have? Is there one or two things that you have a lot of conviction about, either matchup wise or, or 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 anything that you're feeling like I feel pretty good about? this happening on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, guys, when you talk about these two teams, like you can't, like the Eagles are undoubtedly the best team in the NFL, right? But the best team doesn't always win. We know that. They have to be the best team on that day. Mm -hmm. So you look at what Mahomes did in the the AFC Championship game, 326 yards, two touchdowns without his three top receivers because they all went down inside that game. Mahomes is also hurt. Right. Had that high ankle sprain, played through the high ankle sprain. So what I took from all of that was Mahomes is, is clearly the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the mm. face of the NFL and he's the best uh, processor from the pocket as well. There was some conversation leading into that AFC championship game that Joe Burrow may have been a better pocket passer than Patrick Mahomes. I felt like Mahomes put that completely to bed. You know, it's not just that he's athletic and he makes crazy plays. He also processes. So when you look at that and you look at the Philly defense, right, they led the NFL in sacks. Pass rushes, unbelievable, ferocious. Any superlative you can think of, they have that. Four guys over 11 sacks on the year. So it's going to come down to how well the Chiefs can protect Patrick Mahomes. And that sounds really familiar to me because two years ago, it was the same thing with the Chiefs against the Bucs in the Super Bowl, right? The Bucs got after the Chiefs in, in, in the pass rush category made Mahomes have to run for his life the entire game, and they only scored nine points. So can the Chiefs, with this new offensive line that they put a lot of money and resources into, prove that, hey, what happened back then ain't going to happen this time? Because with the Eagles' defense, they, they faced two guys really this year that are elite processors from the pocket, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott. Now, everybody can have their feelings about Dak, but the bottom line is he can process from the pocket. In those games, the Eagles gave up 40 points and 33 points, mm. Mm. right? So 
It's mobility because both of those guys are mobile. It's ability to process from the pocket. Both those guys can do it. Can the Eagles stop the Chiefs from scoring with the greatest quarterback this game has seen in a long time, right? No, Brady is the greatest of all time, but Mahomes is the face of the league right now. Can they shut that down? I think that is going to be fascinating because I don't think they're going to blitz him that much. They will pressure him with their front four. They're not going to blitz that much. So how much can they get him off the field, put them in bad down and distances? I think that's going to be a big key. On the other side with uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense, really what it comes down to, they got to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Eagles, percentage-wise, because I've already done a lot of studying for this game, percentage-wise, they play uh, some of the most – Two safety defense in the NFL, which is two two high safeties, light box. Their percentage of light box is the is the greatest in in the league. I think they're number one. Also, they play a ton of man coverage. They're eighth eighth in the league in the amount of man coverage that they play. So if they play a light box and you can't run the ball, and now they've got extra guys out there doubling guys in coverage, it's going to be a long day for the Eagles. I don't think that's what happens. I think the Eagles have the great, greatest offensive line in the NFL right now. They're going to run the football. And then it's going to come down to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard winning one-on-one matchups outside. That's why, you know, I haven't made a pick yet, but it feels like it's leaning towards Philly because they have more ways to beat you. Mm. The Chiefs still rely on Patrick Mahomes to be Superman and process all this stuff from the pocket. Now he's got the, the best pass rush that he's seen all year long trying to get him to the ground. Well, if they do win, Philly fans are just going to be a joy to deal with. So I <laughs> that's, just, that's just you being from New York, guys. Philly Ooh. fans, I mean, you know, they, they just like oh. they just like New York fans. No, you know they're fans? not. They're a different breed, man. <laughs> You're from New York? Oh yeah, hey, yeah. How, oh how yeah. About the Empire State Building, uh, oh, being lit up green, it, right? What? Who did that? Honestly, like it was when when it was first sent to me. I think it was first sent in our group chat. See, yeah, I thought it was a joke. I thought it like yeah, I, me I, too. I, I, I was, was like, like no fucking way they like like clearly what? no like I mean I, that was horrid horrid <laughs> like the idea of those colors from that team in that city being you, lit up in our city I was like what you know like, you know what's crazy though like where I live I live like 15 minutes outside the city I live in Jersey and where I live here Eagles fans like crazy all Ugh. up and down the street. It's nothing but Eagles fans here. Ugh. It's insane. Like Ugh. it's so, cra- but they they're a different breed though. Different breed. I was, Philly, I was, Philly I was fans are different I, breed, bro. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, NFC East. They, everybody just joining in together. Yeah. Nah, somebody lost their job for that. Somebody well, definitely I'm, lost their job over that shit. Yeah. They tried to play it off on Twitter, but nah, they didn't. Nah. Somebody hey, got hey, fired. Hey. It, it, Boston fans could be tough. New York fans could be tough. You experienced it in your division, obviously. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, with the New York fans and 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 you know, we know Cowboys fans are, are passionate. There's nothing like Philadelphia sports fans. They are no. a completely different class of. Yeah. I am actually fearing for the safety of people. Like they are, <laughs> they are a different level of fanatic. They truly I'm, I'm are. I'm kind of rooting for this though. I want to see it. Like. I want to see all the shit in the streets in Philly. So I kind of want them to win. All I know is whoever, the the Chiefs shouldn't, don't touch the Rocky statue. Oh, no. Don't don't touch the Rocky statue. statue. That's the number one mistake. As long as you do that, it's almost a guaranteed loss. (laughs) I mean, they touched the Rocky statue and they, I mean, the quarterback was hurt fucking one series into the game. Like, 
This shit was crazy. Yeah. Oh, it was Don't crazy. Do that. Philly fans, Philly fans know that Rocky is fake, but they act like he's real. So you don't mess with the. I don't. Fiction. I don't even know if they know. They they they, they know he's fake. They, I don't like, think they know he's fake. I don't <laughs> think they know he's fake, cuz I think they think they he grew up right down the street from a lot of these motherfuckers. That's that's the thing about Philly people, cuz <laughs> they saw him. They tell stories they, about seeing him jogging, up, jogging no, through I, the neighborhood. My dad went to kindergarten uh, with him. <laughs> I mean, have we had a movie that really like inspired such a generation? Like, oh, run the Rocky Steps! Like they're called yeah. the Rocky Steps. I yeah. know it's and, and the movie's great. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, movies. All fifteen um, of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a big Creed fan too. I'm excited for this Creed. next Creed. Creed. I mean, Creed. fuck yeah. Creed three, bro. The, yeah. the, the 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 trailer didn't tell us everything that's about to happen in the movie. I'll still right, go is- see. It. I'm gonna eat it up. I'm gonna eat it up. I still will. Every time I go see a Creed movie, I I come home and I I I get on the bench press, man. Because, the trailer's seven yeah. minutes long, cuz just go yeah. watch the trailer. It's gonna tell you everything that happened. <laughs> Robert, thank you for being with us. I know times are busy. You have a newborn. You have a house full of wonderful daughters, as it is, and you're uh, at a busy time of year for for your high demand job. So thank you for cutting out some time for us and. You've been as wonderful here as you are when we witness you on TV. So thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Appreciate you guys uh, making time for me. You guys are phenomenal. And uh, congrats on the show. No, we know what it's like, bro. Get that golf swing right. I see you in Tahoe in July, bro. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to work with the coach right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robert. That's Robert Griffin III here on R2C2. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. You can follow us on all our social platforms and also download the podcast wherever you get them. Peace, everybody. Peace.